And that's why I don't fuck around with jackhammers. Hello, welcome back to Happy Amblin, the premiere Adam Sandler, Steven Spielberg podcast retrospective. I am your host, Diego Crespo. With me, as always, in this podcast is Macaringo. That's me. And we're here to talk about many things, primarily Adam Sandler. Last week, we talked about Steven Spielberg's feature film, The Sugarland Express, and it's a pretty good movie. I would argue it's a great movie. In fact, some people might even argue that Happy Gilmore is a great movie. The film we're here to talk about today. Matt, would you argue that? Never mind all that shit. Oh my god. In Tim Burton's remake of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Mike TV in that film, the character, in the originally he was just like a kid wearing a cowboy hat who was like a doofus and then he shrunk himself like a moron. And then they sing, the Oompa Loompa sing a song about how TV rots your brain. In the remake, Mike TV develops an algorithm to figure out which candy bar has the golden ticket in it. And then they still call him an idiot for watching TV. What happened to Tim Burton? Um, I don't know. Watch Batman Returns, everyone. CGI happened to Tim Burton, because that seems to be where it all went wrong. Mm. Dumbo looked pretty in the trailer that I saw one time. No, that one trailer, I would say for that one trailer for Dumbo looked great, but I was like, it's Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tim Burton and a Disney remake. Like, the cards yeah. are stacked against it. And it's like, Dumbo is like a 70, 80-minute film. It's like really short, and the movie's like two hours. But here, here's what almost sold me on it, though. And I'm not going to watch it anytime soon. I'm not going to go out of my way for sure. Uh, or I heard a lot of complaints from critics that were like, yeah, it's like the original Dumbo story in 20 minutes, and then the rest of the movie is like a whole new film. And I was like, so that's a good thing. But they were saying it like as a negative. <laughs> it's so weird to me. I don't know how people work anymore. From what I understand, though, those critics are right in that instance. Where it's like, oh, now it sucks, though. <laughs> like, apart I, guess from the, that. I guess it just, it's a meandering plot. I've heard, I've seen the plot described places and it's just no and like Tim Burton tried to do like a thing where it's like oh this this is actually a metaphor for the Walt Disney company and it just kind of failed because it's a Walt Disney product or like he's yeah. just he's just lost it well, a little bit well Disney Disney does this weird thing now where like they like to reference that they kind of suck sometimes in their movies yeah and uh it's ne it never works I will say I don't think it's ever worked Ever. Uh, the the only instance of it where I can give it a big pass is uh, Moana, and that's because the character of Maui is supposed to be, like, a cynical asshole, and then by the end he's proven wrong, you know, yeah. about, like, all of this stuff, and he embraces yeah, I guess they turned the stuff. It, they turned it into a character thing. Yeah, yeah. Moana's the shit, <laughs> but that's... I, I'm, I, just yeah. have, I just have flashbacks. I saw Wreck-It Ralph 2. I forgot that ago. happened. And it was so bad. And I didn't even like... I, I know some people like that first Wreck-It Ralph. I don't get it. At all. Ever. <laughs> and uh, the new one was just like... Ugh. It's like it's like very unclever people trying to be clever. And that's what made it hard to watch. Would you say Happy Gilmore is hard to watch? Happy Gilmore was fine. For 400 years, golf has been a gentleman's game. A game of tradition, etiquette, and above all, sportsmanship. Until now. Y'all ready for this? Yeah! Meet Happy Gilmore. Uh, this is a huge movie, much like uh, Billy Madison for, for people in our generation. Like, Yes. These are probably, these first two... Uh, not including going overboard, are probably not going, going overboard <laughs> are probably the all. ones that people reference the most when they reference Adam Sandler, like in a positive light. You know, like oh, back in back in the day, this is when Adam Sandler was churning out hits. I would disagree with that, but it is the name of our series. Yeah, this is where the name comes from. And uh, Happy Madison, the production company. 
from Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. It's like, yep, we did those two. Now we get a we get a rule that says we can make whatever movie we want for the rest of our our which, lives. Which is like, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to begrudge them because the fact that like people made it in an industry where it's notoriously hard to make it, you know, good good for them. Um, but neither of these movies were like particularly big hits. Like they did good. They they were successful. Well, they were um, all kind of surprise hits. Because this is, it was like a twelve million dollar budget on this one, and it made like forty two million. Yeah, so they rode and, that like that wave at the right exact time. Because again, yeah, like I, solid successes, but nothing like whoa, runaway train success. And I don't know when like Dumb and Dumber started, but I think this was like in the middle of the like gross out comedy thing. And Sandler offered a nice alternative. To those kinds of comedies. Yeah, instead of vomiting, he just yells a lot. <laughs> Which, well, it's all very, yeah. it's all very safe humor at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's. I think I've seen not, it referred to as like the, haha, fat man fall down humor, which mm-hmm. is like an unfortunate turn of phrase. But I there's I, a little I bit there's a little bit of that. Um, but less here, it's more just like, haha, man is violent and angry. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, <laughs> this is weird. I actually liked it more here than like. Really? Um, it, this movie got me. I don't like it as much as Billy Madison. Mm. Um, okay, but... that's what I, I thought you were saying. You liked it more than Bill. Like, I think Billy Madison is significantly better than Happy Gilmore. I, I, I don't know. Like, if. I, I hate doing, like, grade scales. Like, even if I sign something in on Letterboxd, I'm like, I don't really care. I'll give something five stars, even if it was a three-star movie. I don't give a fuck, whatever, right? But here, if I had to do it for these two, then, like, Billy Madison's, like, a four. This one's, like, a three-star. Like, at most. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, no, I... I, I wouldn't... I, I don't know what star rating I would give either. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck star but, rating. Fuck ratings. I, write, write a review without giving it a rating. That's how you know you're, like... At least a decent writer, but anyways, uh, I just, I just, this one felt more generic and less thought out than Billy Madison. I didn't think Billy Madison was that well thought out either. Uh, I, I like the the weirdness of Billy Madison more because that one, this one doesn't really have it. Didn't have enough of that. Didn't have enough weird to it. Yeah, every once in a while, it would kind of get there, but it, did, it never maintained it the way that one did. Never maintained it, and it kind of just has one trick, which is that Adam Sandler's angry. Yeah, and I liked it at first, and I was like, oh, maybe this one's going to be like, this will be a new Diego hidden gem or something like that, you know? Really? You were going that far with it? I really liked it up up top, and I don't know why. Mm. I, I could not tell. I want to work out my feelings right now as we're talking about I, yeah, this, I, but I, I, I don't have, understand. I have no idea what you saw in it either. <laughs> I'm at a but loss. But I do remember... As a kid, thinking this was a really funny movie, and I actually watched it with my grandmother, which is funny to think about looking back. Oh yeah, no, I mean not just because of the like the image of you and your grandmother watching an Adam Sandler well, comedy, I, but uh, I just the, the premise like, of the film too. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like there's no way my grandmother actually enjoyed it, but she like you know wanted to spend time with her grandson. <laughs> Uh, I'll describe the plot right now, but just really quick. That that reminds me. I loved dinosaurs. I mean, everyone loves dinosaurs, but I could name, like, every dinosaur from every period, like, in prehistoric history, right? Mm -hmm. And God bless my godfather. He he got me this, like, dinosaur documentary VHS to watch, right? And so every Mm -hmm. time he would come over, I'd be like, Nino, Nino, let's watch, like, whatever it was called. I don't know. I have it in my garage somewhere. And it's like a four-hour documentary. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I, I loved it, but apparently every adult, and I was like four at the time, every adult that like came over and I made sit down to watch it with me, like, I guess notoriously hated it in my family. <laughs> wow. I don't know, that just reminded me of that. Well, I, uh, I, I had stuff like that. I would just get obsessed with certain things for a while, so I would watch like the same movies over and over again. And one of them was a TV version of Moby Dick. <laughs> That was like four hours long. <laughs> and I just watched it like over and over again. And that was the one with Patrick Stewart was Ahab. Oh, well, I, I need uh, to watch that now. It's uh, it's all right. 
Okay, but you have it's Patrick like, Stewart as Ahab. I have yeah, to watch his, it. His idea of Ahab is that he yells a lot. Oh. I mean, it's it's not like the worst, but I, I feel like I'm also uh, like as, when I got older, I became obsessed with the book Moby Dick, as people maybe know. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I have very certain, I have very specific ideas about Moby Dick that I don't think any of the adaptations have ever gotten. Um, I actually really liked Gregory Peck's turn as Ahab, although he's like he really is kind of miscast. <laughs> but uh, I don't think any of the adaptations really get into the mania enough. You didn't like In the Heart of the Sea. Oh no, I that's I think one of my least favorite films of all time. Oh, <laughs> because it's literally like it's I always call I like, like the whale stuff in that. Fuck that! Listen, <laughs> that's what happens when Hollywood math fucks off because <laughs> it's literally like we want to adapt Moby Dick but we want to do something different so we, we want to do Moby Dick but we also want prequels are popular <laughs> reimagine like it's like all this like stupid shit that adds up but then it's like what it really adds up to is let's do Moby Dick but take out all the stuff that makes Moby Dick interesting out of the movie <laughs> you know yeah like that's not like Moby Dick destroying the boat first of all that's the Moby Dick doesn't show up until like the last three chapters of Moby Dick and then everyone dies <laughs> it's a 900 page book and then it takes three chapters for everyone to die <laughs> yeah and the heart of the sea is just it's it's based on the true story that Herman Melville of course read and that inspired his Moby Dick story the book that would destroy Herman Melville's career <laughs> and he ended up like penniless and working in like a patent office or some shit oh. um, yeah died with nothing and then like in the 20s it kind of became popular again so yeah well you should write the uh, next Moby Dick adaptation you know, uh, may- 90s Sandler might have been a good Ishmael <laughs> I was about to say because you were talking about Patrick Stewart being like all yelly and shit mm-hmm. like this version of Adam Sandler in Moby Dick. Or in mm. that version of Moby Dick anyways. But I guess just talk a little bit about the premise. Uh, Happy Gilmore is about uh, an unsuccessful ice hockey player who discovers he's actually very talented at golf and uh, is mentored by Carl Weathers <laughs> to become uh, the best in the business, so to speak. While uh, joining... A uh, what, what does he join like a grand tour shit? Yeah, on the pro tour names. in an attempt to save his grandmother's house, which has been uh, repossessed by the IRS after she hasn't paid taxes in like ten years. Yeah, so of course, starring Adam Sandler and like I said, Carl Weathers, <laughs> Julie Bowen gets the 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 love interest role because there's always a love interest role in an Adam Sandler comedy. What has she been in? Has she, have you seen her in anything? Uh, she is, I believe, Modern Family is on its thirtieth season, and she's starring oh. in that. Uh, okay. She also had a recurring bit on Lost as Jack's ex-wife. Um, very, very mm. talented actress, and I, she's one of the people. She's one of many people we'll talk in the Adam Sandler series about. Oddly enough, that don't get their due. Was she as Jack's ex-wife more interesting than Jack? I like Jack, but yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, all right. Jack gets interesting at the very end. It's like the oh. middle four seasons where he has nothing to do. <laughs> Okay, I'll put up with four seasons of television just to get to that. Well, no, no, no. Everyone else, he's the obligatory, like, lead, and then everyone else is super interesting, you know? Yeah. The problem is they don't feed his conflict into enough of the series until the very end of it, and then it's like, great shit, but whatever. Yeah, no. I'm out. Anyways, Julie Bowen, one of the people that never got her due. Christopher McDonald is in this as the villain, and Christopher McDonald is a great little character actor who is kind of kind of fell into playing assholes in the nineties. Yeah, and uh, I don't know how good of an actor he is. Like he he's good at certain types, which is I guess why he's a character actor. I don't but, know. I he's doing a lot of weird shit in this that I really liked. I I like him too, but it's like I I don't know how like successful he is. At, like, creating a human being. He's, well, yeah, the, no one in this movie is a human being, but <laughs> he he plays a very similar character, even less human, in uh, the Norm MacDonald comedy Dirty Work. Are we going to talk about Dirty Work? No, because Sandler's only in it for, like, two seconds. Okay. 
That's a it's a very very funny movie. Like probably it's it's almost like kind of a deconstruction of these type of comedies because you know it's Norm Macdonald not giving a shit. The guy like I think his plan of that movie he wants to op- he wants to tear down like a bunch of people's houses so he can build an opera house. But then there's also an opera house already in the city. Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, but speaking of Norm Macdonald, I want to talk about how uh, this is post SNL firing Adam Sandler. <laughs> A lot of people look back on the Sandler, Farley, um, David Spade era of SNL very fondly, but that was not how it was at the time. It's actually, those years were considered at the time, like it was like SNL is done, it's fallen apart, it it won't last another two years. Like this was like one of those moments where everyone was like, SNL's dead. And then I think like Will Ferrell was brought on and that's when things kind of turned around. (laughs) But... Um, it dropped like massive numbers at the time, like which I don't think ever recovered, but I think it was just like a precursor to how all of network television was eventually going to start losing huge chunks of their audience. Um, but there was an article written, I think it was in like Rolling Stone or the New Yorker that was called like Saturday Night Dead. And it was like a, so they, they say a reporter got on and like he must not have told them that he was writing like a scathing piece because he got access to like everyone and just writes about how tired everyone seems and how ev- no one's doing their lines right, everyone's fucking up, no one seems to care. Um, shortly after that article came out, after that season, um, Sandler, Farley, and I, th- I think David Spade and Rob Schneider were all fired from SNL. And at the time, I think it was like the idea was that they had it kind of become a very bro-y place. Like, that was a lot of the complaints I was reading about was that it, it had become like a very bro-centric behind-the-scenes place and they just decided to clean house that year and Sandler took it very personally and never he didn't do anything related to SNL until like I think this year 2018 he, he hosted this year didn't he 2019 and yes 19 oh shit since, since the last episode we've recorded I've been going back not to de- derail your thing but Going back, looking at some older bits from SNL with Adam Sandler, uh, Chris Farley, who you're totally right. He's just dominating material that shouldn't work like at yes. all. Like if she gave that to someone else, even to Sandler, like David Spade, it just would fall flat. God, mm-hmm. God rest his soul. He was fucking hilarious. Uh, and the Adam Sandler episode of SNL that aired this year at the time of recording, 2019, which is actually very touching. He sings all song about getting fired. <laughs> Well, he, he sings a song about Chris Farley. No, he sings a song about getting fired. <laughs> That's what I want people to know about. But he's, he, he's been doing that. He did that on his special, too. Cause he's, he, he, I, something happened in like the last three years where Adam Sandler seems to have energy again. I, I think this is just my theory. He's getting up there, and he's like, hey, let me uh, let, let, maybe be a little more human in, in my... my uh, my, my productions, I guess, you know, nothing like revelatory or anything like that. Just, you know, nicer. I think he no longer has that studio oversight he used to have when he was making, because ever since he jumped to Netflix, I think something about that, like, it, like I'm not saying he's making great shit, <laughs> but he seems more energized than he used to be. And, like, I saw that specially did, and it was fine. Like, it was really nice. And then I thought his hosting SNL was, like, okay i mean the the thing is i'm comparing it to like his recent his output of the last decade has been like a trash fire oh it's it's atrocious it's some of the worst of any career yeah and then but the scene like suddenly he's kind of back and it's like hey all right it feels like he's back to where he was in the 90s which was never that great but hey it's better than nothing (laughs) You know, there's nothing wrong with just, like, satisfactory quality, you know? Yeah, I guess. Like, uh, as long as someone's putting, like, effort into it, I can I can admire it from afar, even if it is, again, from afar. Mm-hmm. And I would say Happy Gilmore actually does have at least, like, a semblance of effort put into it. The emotional stuff that wasn't like a home run in in Billy Madison either uh is like nowhere to be found here. But this one it's like it, all the love's kind of put on the grandmother character. Like he really loves his grandmother. He doesn't seem to show heart anywhere else. Yeah, which is odd cuz I think a better movie would have like 
confronted that. Yeah, well, it would have maybe confronted why the grandmother wasn't paying taxes. It just kind of, like, drops it in as a gag where it's like, Grandma, why didn't you pay the taxes? She's like, I would have, but I didn't have the money. And it's like, well, that's not really an answer. Although, I gotta be honest, this will sound weird. I believe the love story in this more than I believed it in Billy Madison. Uh, this is nothing against the, the actress in Billy Madison, uh, but Julie Bowen, I think, just sells it much better. Well, I think there's some. She puts something on it where, like, she does seem interested in Happy Gilmore from the start, you know? Mm-hmm. There isn't, like, a, like, oh, Happy Gilmore, I hate you. Like, she seems interested in him and won't date him at first because he's a golfer, but, like, she's kind of charmed by him, even though he's a complete maniac. <laughs> but, uh, hey, whatever. I'm not here to judge. And, uh, I don't know. Yeah, she sells it a little more, even though she has much less to work with than, uh, what's her name in, um, Billy Madison. Yeah, the fact that we can't remember the character's name. Uh, well, the, the character in Billy Madison was Veronica Vaughn. I don't know oh, the actress. Okay, I, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> you know how I know it. You know how I know it. Because you're obsessed with that movie. No, because uh, Chris Farley. That Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ace. Uh, oh, and of course, uh, the actress who plays the grandmother. I just have to give a shout out to Frances Bay. Many. Uh, Fans will know her from her work in Twin Peaks. This would look nice on your wall. She's also in uh, Wild at Heart and Blue Velvet. She's Kyle MacLachlan's aunt in Blue Velvet. Oh, and you know the movie she did right before Happy Gilmore? In the Mouth of Madness? Yeah. Yeah, she's Mrs. Pickman, which is a reference to Pickman's model, which is a Lovecraft story. Maybe we should do that for Carpenter Halloween this year. I, I, I'd totally be up for it. But um, I think, more importantly, she's remembered from the, the Marble Rye episode of Seinfeld. Help! Shut up, you old pig! Oh, <laughs> so for those that don't know, I have been going <laughs> through the entire series in full for the first time. I'd seen many Seinfeld episodes, but never, like, in order. And I, I had. Oh, I hope spots. I didn't. I hope no, I didn't no, no. spoil the Marvel. I, I saw I saw that episode already, um, okay. and it's just it really is one of the best made shows ever, <laughs> at least best written. That show was batting like a thousand. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there's ever been a show that like had that many good episodes in a row. Like I can't. There are episodes that are just less funny, but none of them are like ever less than watchable, which is kind of a testament. Like, the last two seasons, they kind of start, like, you can feel it, and they start getting, but they, they kind of make up for it, because I think they start getting, like, experimental in the last two seasons. Yeah, I'm on season eight right now, so that's, this is where the turn happens, I guess. I don't know. Well, Larry David left at one point, and then, but I think, season eight, you, you might not have gotten to see it, but there's the one episode they tell entirely in reverse. Have you done that yet? No, 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 no. Where they, they, they show it, like, each episode backwards. It's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Is it emotional abuse <laughs> that my family says that I am exactly like George Costanza? <laughs> yes. Literally every member of my family has said that at some point. <laughs> I, 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 would, uh, I would sue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have it around the time I made my first million. <laughs> <laughs> that... Uh, that scene, I'm sorry, now we're talking about Seinfeld, but when he has to pretend he's the architect for the race episode, that that episode, <laughs> like, did you see the new addition to the uh, Guggenheim? <laughs> like, that was you? He's like, yeah, didn't take very long either. <laughs> but no, she she's fantastic. Frances Bay unfortunately passed away uh, in September of 2011, so um, rest in peace, she's missed. Uh, but she she's also just very generally good in this and very like warm and you can see why why um why Adam Sandler's character like he's that's the only one she's uh he's nice to that's the only character he's like cares about in the movie like yeah he has a romantic interest but it's not like the same <laughs> and it it's it, it, I don't buy into the relationship well, well, either but I- Happy Gilmore is a very troubled character because the reason he's living with his grandmother, let's let's let everyone know, is that his father was killed by a hockey puck at a hockey game. <laughs> so we had to go live with his grandparents. We also have to point out that 
a very weird detail is that Sandler's father loved hockey. So he wanted Happy to love hockey. But Happy's mother hated hockey so much that she lives in Egypt now. She left the family, moved to Egypt because there's no hockey there. (laughs) Which is such an odd detail to just throw in. And see, it's like those little sprinkles of weirdness that that could have made this movie much better. Than, yeah, but than I like, think it was. I felt the same way about Billy Madison, where there's all this like sprinkled in weirdness. And even there, I, my complaint was that like it never really added up to much. Like they didn't really know when to play their hand; they just kind of did it whenever. And I felt it was inconsistent and kind of worked against some of the like attempts to be like have an actual story happen. Yeah. But it, it's inconsistent in a fun way. Here, it's it's just like, man, that could have been something. Yeah, here it's just like, I feel like they, they I'm more frustrated that, like, I wish they had decided one or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish they had told either a more straightforward movie about a kid who's violent and angry and can play golf. <laughs> or they told, like, an insane movie that was kind of, like, making fun of sports comedies. Um, that's another thing that will be, I mean, thankfully, Adam Sandler, what, like, sports comedies used to be, like, a really big thing, where it was like, let's just put people who can't play a sport into a sport and see what happens. And Sandler only has, I think, this and The Longest Yard. Like, there could be another, oh no, fucking Waterboy, I totally forgot Waterboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Medulia Blancada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. And I always run the problems here because I don't know anything about any sport ever. <laughs> I know very little. I might know the least about hockey. <laughs> like, mm. I like. I actually like hockey, but I, want, I like going to like, any sports game. I mm. honestly do. I've never been to a mm. hockey game though. Oh man! If you if you're ever in Philly, I know what we're doing. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go see Gritty Man. Oh fuck yeah! Is at every game he's always doing crazy shit, attacking children. <laughs> There's always like a thing they'll do where it's like they bring a kid out onto the court to do something, and Gritty will like fuck it up. <laughs> Gritty has security that follows him around. <laughs> now, are they for his protection or ours? I don't know, but he will. He always finds a fan who's for the opposing team and attacks them. <laughs> it's hard to describe. Uh, Philadelphia sporting events are interesting. Philadelphia is also the city famous for uh, um, the entire city threw snowballs at Santa Claus. <laughs> what? During, it was like halftime during some game, game and they were like, we're going to bring Santa out to entertain the children, and the game wasn't going well. <laughs> <laughs> so the stadium started throwing snowballs and like beer cans at Santa, and Santa had to be escorted off the field. Is there video of this? No, there's like, I saw some, they did like an ESPN thing on it, and there's just footage of Santa walking out, and they're like, this is the only footage that survived of that fateful <laughs> night. I gotta fight, you gotta send me something so I can put it in. I, it's, hopefully, yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of interesting, they used, Philadelphia, I'm not sure, uh, this might be a thing other stadiums did, but like, according to legend, Philadelphia was the only one that did it. They had an actual judge at the stadiums. To sentence unruly fans. <laughs> well, none of that happens in Happy Gilmore, but it might none as well have. But yeah. Um, but I guess there's a lot of golf p- people in this, and I don't recognize any of them because I don't know golf. Who, who do you recognize? Uh, Bob Barker. <laughs> I think this is like the defining uh, Adam Sandler cameo thing. Because yeah. like all of his movies are kind of sprinkled with cameos from other people, like friends and people he admires, I guess. But uh, I, I think this is the one that kind of like transcends them all <laughs> just because everyone loves bob barker this is the one they try to like imitate in like every movie after this kind of yeah and it, it never you know? worked as successfully never worked as successfully and i mean it's funny here um it won like i think famously it won the mtv movie award for best fight <laughs> but uh and it kind of like i think bob barker like has said that like it caused a resurgence in his popularity. Like, Price is Right wasn't doing well. Oh, that's amazing. And then he did Happy Gilmore, and then it, like, rejuvenated his career. And now now Drew Carey hosts The Price is Right. Remember remember Drew Carey? Oh, yeah, he had the Drew Carey show, and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember they would do episodes of the Drew Carey show, or it'd be like, oh, we're going to improvise the episode. It was like a revolutionary thing at the time. 
and now that's all SNL does. Do you think the Drew Carey show holds up? I never saw any of it. All I remember is one cold open. This is the only bit of the Drew Carey show I ever saw. A cold open where the the regular, what I assume is the regular cast and crew of the Drew Carey show in their office space. <laughs> And but you don't they, know for sure. I don't know for sure. And then they start seeing that everyone's like an alien or something like that. And they start like fighting each other or like they start transforming into other aliens. And they're like – it's like an invasion. And then it cuts to the the opening title of the Drew Carey show. But it's him as an alien. And I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> that's actually – that actually sounds incredible. <laughs> and so I just feel like I can never watch an episode of the show because, like, how do you top that? I only know that – I only know the opening where they're all running and Cleveland Rocks is playing. That's all I remember. No, I just got the alien one. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, uh, please comment below. <laughs> send us send us the clip. Send us the clip so you can see it. Oh, that too. <laughs> Who's the guy? Um, fucking – the late night host. The one who followed Letterman. Uh, Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> no, who, whose job did he... I don't know. There's too many to keep track of. I don't know who got whose job. Jesus Christ, who was it? Um, it's now James Corden. Oh, fuck. That's uh, awful. Who did, who did James Corden take over for? Because uh... he was good. Now, Craig Ferguson. Oh, I love Craig Ferguson. Craig, Craig Ferguson was good. Craig Ferguson? I, I think he might have been the best, and he never... Got that recognition. And I, I guess he was supposed to take over for... Like, he had it in his contract that he would take over for Letterman if Letterman ever left. And then I think that didn't happen, and that's why he kind of left the show. That timeline makes this one so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> the one where we got to keep around Craig Ferguson. Because Craig Ferguson, for people that don't know, I mean, obviously very funny. And, uh, like, he wasn't, like, woke or anything like that, but he was always very, like... Uh, he spoke from the heart a lot. Yeah, he was very human. And he was, he tried to be progressive uh, and, and like just talk to people about things. Uh, he was also notoriously a huge flirt, which is kind of funny. Um, just uh, this is not the takeaway you should be getting for why Craig Ferguson is <laughs> the shit. But like just watching him like land every little like flirtatious line is kind of funny. Um, but he, if he you was, have an accent like that, you can land anything. Frankly. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably it's true. The, it's the accent. Um, but no, Craig, Craig Ferguson was was the best. He has a very candid monologue where uh, he he asked the audience like mid monologue to not like like laugh or clap or anything like that. But he was just being very candid about his struggles with alcoholism and how um how he was calling people out for making fun of like Britney Spears and uh, what she was going through. Yeah, so I, a lot of respect for Craig Ferguson. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, although, uh, all right. I'm talking about this because it's frankly more interesting than Happy Gilmore. <laughs> totally, I, I'll talk. I'll do a Craig Ferguson retrospective and his but, five movies. Like, well, it's, I just want to talk about Late Night Host for a second. Okay, because Letterman was famous for like, like he's a very weird person. He's like very weird with his emotions. He doesn't let his guard down. But there would always be like every couple of months there'd be like famously like David Letterman would like. He'd have a monologue ready. He'd have, like, a comedy bit ready. And then he just wouldn't do it because he wanted to talk about something that was, like, bothering him. <laughs> like, he would do that all the time. And, like, the country... Like, he was, like... He would decide, like, the mood of the country, kind of. Um, he fam Maybe famously, he went on when he... Remember, because Letterman, like, had that thing where he was sleeping around with his, like, interns. Yeah. And then he went on the air and just admitted to it because the guy was trying to blackmail him. <laughs> And he did, like, a whole monologue, and he's like, the guy was going to report all the creepy things I did. And the audience is like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. And then he's like, and he's like, oh, I got to tell you what I did. I was, I've been having sex with my interns. <laughs> and he just says it. And it was like, because he did that, like, no one thought too much about it, even though that's really weird. <laughs> You know, like no, what the it's, fuck it's is that? Fucking flabbergasting. And then there was also the famous one where John McCain, <laughs> John Mc, fucking John McCain, he's dead now, so we can laugh at him. <laughs> but, um, he remember the, all right. The 2008 financial crisis happened, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you remember this? You know what I'm about yes, talking about? Yes, I know what you're talking about. And uh, he. That was also the thing where he said, like, the morning up, he was like, the fundamentals of our economy are strong, and then the whole fucking Dow Jones went off a cliff. 
And he was supposed to be on Letterman that night, but then he announced, I'm not going to do Letterman. I am suspending my campaign because I'm going to rush back to Washington to help solve this crisis. (laughs) And Letterman was like pissed, but he's like, all right, I understand. But then as Letterman was taping his show, he realized McCain did not go back to Washington. (laughs) He was in like the studio next door on Katie Couric. (laughs) (laughs) So he brought a live feed into his show of him on Katie Couric. And he just heckled him like the whole show. <laughs> like, hey, John, you need a ride to the airport? <laughs> and that, like, I, I'm willing to bet that helped decide the election. <laughs> oh, I remember 2008 when the election was like, ah, he picked Palin. She thinks she can see Russia from her house. And and now it's like the earth is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just that meme image of the dog drinking coffee saying this is fine. Yeah, it really is. We really, it's, that is the national mood. (laughs) Yeah, and everyone's like, please God, someone do something. Then the other half people are like, no, you guys are just being SJWs or whatever. Yeah. I feel like the national mood for like a while was like the ending of Chinatown. (laughs) (laughs) Like however I felt when I watched Chinatown the first time, however I felt watching that movie is how I felt. Since 2016. No, you know what? That forget it is just Chinatown feel. That one felt very 2017. No, because frankly, the the ending of Chinatown, the gunfire. I'm not. I don't want to spoil it. I'm not spoiling it in case that any of this makes air. (laughs) This might just be with Patreon. (laughs) But I still still don't want to spoil it. But when the gunshots happen and then like you hear the car horn, the whole thing ends. Um, That to me is when I woke up and realized Donald Trump had been elected president. Oh God! I'll never forget the feeling. Like, it just felt like the world changed, and it never went back to the way it felt before. It just feels progressively worse. You know, like, how you see those pictures of, like, presidents when they start being president, when they end, like, how they look like they've aged a thousand years? <laughs> I feel like that's happening to all of us. Yeah, it's it's not happening to the president. It's happening to the people. Yeah, because, frankly, every single person in the United States cares more about the fate of the country than the sitting president of the United States. <laughs> all right, to bring it back to funny, can you name... The host of the Late Late Show before Craig Ferguson. Don't look it up. I, I don't know. Because I posted his picture and asked people if they knew who he was, and no one knew who he was. And there isn't even a Wikipedia page for his era of the show. What? Are they trying to, like, erase him? Yes, they basically have. They also erased him from another show that he started... That they brought him back for um, the host last episode, and no one realized, no one recognized them. Oh! And I'm gonna see if you even know the name when I'm about to say, because the original show was the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. Right, ringing any bells? Nope. He hosted the show from '99 to 2004, and then he just left, and then. Craig Ferguson took over and was better. I've read like books about like late night talk shows because I'm interested in that. And all of them, when they get the Killborn, he's maybe two pages. What? Why is that? What did he do? Well, you want to know? He started in sports. I believe he was on Sports Center, or maybe that came later. I could be wrong. But you know what show comedy show he started? He started The Daily Show. What? Yep. What? He he started The Daily Show in '96. And he was the first host of it. I don't, he, uh, I believe he popularized the moment of Zen segment that like stayed with the show forever. Um, and do you want to know what happened? He had sex with his interns? No, kind of bad in similar territory. So a lot of people don't know, but, uh, the Daily Show was actually created by two women. Um, and one of the women, um, was Liz Winstead. She was also the head writer during Kilbourne's era. And Kilborn was giving some interview in Esquire, and um, somehow she came up. And this is, I'm going to, all right, let me look it up real quick. I want to get the quote right. Hello, Patreon listeners. Yes, yes, sorry, everyone, but uh, this is, I find this shit fascinating. Um, all right, this is the exact quote he said. Uh, to be honest, Liz does find me very attractive. If I wanted her to blow me, she would. That didn't go over too well. I can't imagine 
Yeah, that. And I guess huh. the uh, well, the environment well, at the Daily Show turned very hostile, and he lasted about one more year, and then he jumped ship to the Late Late Show, and he was never acknowledged ever during John Stewart's era until the final episode. I feel like he shouldn't even have come back for the final episode now. He he really shouldn't have. And uh but I guess they did they did cause they brought everyone on. Fucking John McCain was on the last episode of John Stewart's <laughs> Daily Show. And also <laughs> another fun fact about Craig Kilborn, he is in the movie Cursed, the Wes Craven movie. Have you seen that? No, that's a blind spot. There there it's bad. Um where mm. it's Christina Ricci and uh Mark Zuckerberg, who's the kid who played Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Oh, now yeah, I they're watch they're it. they're brother and sister. You don't want to watch it. Um, they it. get bitten great. by oh, they get bitten by a werewolf and shit happens. <laughs> but um, Christina Ricci's character works on the Craig Kilborn show, and so Craig Kilborn's there as himself. The problem is, Curse was such a fucked up production that it got like put on the shelf for two years and then they reshot like half of it that's why it's terrible it doesn't really make any sense and by the time it was released Craig Kilborn was no longer the host of the Late Late Show (laughs) and that's it Mm -hmm. also I think he's the guy that the main character of Old School I think he's the guy who's like girlfriend he has sex with him or something I don't know and uh, yeah and then he had a podcast and now he doesn't have a career (laughs) well as you see Old School might uh, be the most informative film of the 2000s. Is that... I've only seen Old School once. No, no, I got... I, that's a joke. I got nothing. Holy shit, Todd Phillips made Old School. Yep, there it is. Oh my god. Uh-huh. Holy shit. What? He was a hockey player. That's my puck, baby! Don't you ever touch my puck! Who was skating on thin ice. But when his grandma needed his help... Mrs. Gilmore owes the IRS $270,000. We're going to have to sell the house to someone else. But she's an old lady. I mean, look at her. She's old. He discovered a new talent. That house is like 400 yards away. That's unbelievable. That, that was the thing. I honestly, I wrote some stuff down, but it's literally just like a, like, not by numbers, the plot of the film. Like, you, you know where it's going to go. Like, even without the foreknowledge of other Adam Sandler films and how they all play out. uh, Let's try. Let's try to do the plot of Happy Gilmore. Well, all right. We already talked about uh, Gilmore's grandma having not paid her taxes, owing almost $300,000, right? Yeah, yeah. And we got to talk about that Happy Gilmore's big dreams. He wants to play hockey, Um, even though his father was killed by a hockey puck. I think that would change my relationship with hockey, frankly. But um, he's fucking terrible at hockey. He just has a lot of energy. He has two records, most time spent in the penalty box, and he's the only skater to ever take off his skate and try to stab someone. I don't believe that that would be true, by the way. Who's that guy that got, like, his he, he, like in his jugular? I have no idea. <laughs> There's a hockey player. You can find the clip. You probably shouldn't watch it. No, I'm not going to put the clip here. <laughs> He lived. He lived. I'll just say <laughs> that's why I'm. Um, it's okay for me to laugh. <laughs> um, something went wrong. I forget. He was like a goalie or something, and uh, he got hit in the throat with a skate, and his jugular got ripped open on the ice, and the blood just goes everywhere on like live television. <laughs> Sorry. And the announcer is like, "Oh my god!" Like. <laughs> And then they try to cut the commercial, but they didn't do it right, so you only hear the audio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's some car commercial, and you hear the audio as you watch, like, this guy just, like, bleeding, <laughs> bleeding out on the ice. <laughs> he lived. He lived. Don't worry. Okay. Um, uh, oh, man. I think he did. I could be wrong, actually. Well, I don't my, know. My only... Like, I've never even gone ice skating, so... Mm-hmm. Like, I, oh, I'm why? Like, I just haven't. Uh, ice skating is at, fun. At first, it was because of a genuine fear. Uh, I had a cu- I have a cousin who uh, grew up ice skating a lot, and then one day, I don't even remember the specifics, but I remember being haunted by the description. A classmate of hers fell, and the description that followed, just like the emotion, like and the fear, embedded itself into my brain because, like, the way she fell, I guess 
she sliced open her leg down mm. to like the bone and it just it, it tossed my cousin off of skating forever like when she saw that wow. she was like nope and then i guess that stuck with me and then now i just haven't gone like it's unrelated now but that was probably why i didn't go before in my life i have a similar story my dad had a jackhammer go through his leg once i'm just gonna cut to the trailer right after that that's <laughs> and that's why i don't fuck around with jackhammers and then that's the opening to the episode <laughs> Um, yeah. No, there there really isn't a lot to talk about with Happy Gilmore. Um, we got to talk about though that uh, the guy repossessing the house is Robert Smigel, um, back from he was in uh, Billy Madison as the science teacher. Since I'll just talk about little quick cameos, uh, Carl Weathers has a, a supporting role in this, and he plays Chubbs Peterson, a pro golfer who uh, had his hand bitten off by an alligator. He lost his hand bitten by an alligator. I gotta say, Adam Sandler's reaction to that is pretty funny. <laughs> like, my hand got bitten off. His- oh my god! <laughs> Although, one thing I have to point out is I can't tell if it's intentional or not, but it is so obvious that he's just holding a fake hand under his... You can see, like, the outline of his hand in his sweater. Yeah, I don't know, but I think not knowing and, like, being unable to determine whether or not it is intentional kind of makes it funnier to me. Yeah. Well, Chubbs Chubbs killed the... Chubbs didn't kill the alligator, but he took his eye. So later in the film, Happy runs into a one-eyed alligator and realizes it's the same alligator that took Chubbs' hand. And then eventually gets Chubbs killed when he's startled yes happy gilmore is directly responsible for chubbs dying and like that level of weirdness it's it's so funny to me like i was laughing at the Mm. screen here in this movie that is pretty that that was pretty funny and i don't know why i i couldn't tell you just something in my brain it's hardwired to laugh at the dumbest possible things (laughs) No, believe me, I, I am in a very similar boat. If you want to know the scene that, like, w- killed me um, as a child, it's the scene where he first realizes he can hit the long ball when he, like, bets the movers that are taking his grandmother's stuff. And he hits a window, and then he hits a guy, and then he hits a woman who falls out the window. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really easy when it comes to slapstick, frankly. Anytime where people get, like, a hit in the head with stuff, or when the kid gets hit with that baseball. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, not a lot. Oh, Richard Keel. Is also here as uh, oh yeah he gets uh, he gets former a, boss yeah he gets a nail happy actually shoots him in the head with a nail gun and that's actually a pretty funny like visual gag where they cut to happy in the hospital like covered in bandages and he's like he got a few good punches in but I feel like I won the fight <laughs> and for those who don't know Richard Keel he was uh, Jaws in the uh, James Bond films I thought he was Jaws the shark hey. I'm sure he liked getting that <laughs> as he grew older. Rest in peace, Richard Keel. Uh, and uncredited in this film, Ben Stiller as a sadistic orderly where Happy's mother, grandmother is, is hanging out. I gotta talk about, yeah, he t- the evil retirement community where he... <laughs> I like Adam Sandler throwing the food at that one woman, though. The one's asking, like, like get me out of here, and she just throws a hamburger at her. Uh, ben Stiller, he's basically using all the people in the retirement community as slave labor. And it never goes anywhere. Like, he never gets his comeuppance or anything. You know? Like, there's not a scene where, like, Happy goes, like, you've been mistreating my grandmother, and he comes back and beats the shit. Like, that seems like it's teed up perfectly. It's That's just, it's odd that that never comes back into the story. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, that one feels, like, accidental. Like, it has there to be, There must be, be right? a like, deleted scene. Like, yeah, like, they just... They just didn't get to it, or they cut it, and they didn't think about, like, it messing up the flow of the movie or something. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's weird, but uh, I like Ben Stiller. He's good in this, so, and this is, like, at the beginning. Yeah. Although, ben, ben Stiller, he's got a weird career, man. He's got a very weird career, but he also made Zoolander, which is a perfect film. Is it? Yes. Are you I'm kidding sorry, me? I'm sorry, I came to the Zoolander party late, and uh... I do find Zoolander very funny. But there's also moments in it that make me go like, hmm. As in, like, is some stuff's dated? Because that's true. Some stuff's dated. Some stuff just feels like you can see that being, like, worse, like, in other comedies later. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very similar to, like, Austin Powers to me. 
and I don't hate Austin Powers. It's just like I wouldn't call it great comedy necessarily. Okay, so the way you feel about Zoolander is totally how I feel about Austin Powers. Okay, so I, I, I get it. Yeah, um, but like I don't hate Zoolander at all. Okay. I might it's actually just... hate Austin Powers. Maybe need to rewatch them. I don't know. Oh really? No, yeah. There's some good stuff in those movies, but um, all right, Austin Powers. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, made over $300 million at the box office. Why? It contains a character named Fat Bastard. I knew you were going there. (laughs) And the joke is that Fat Bastard is so fat, he once ate a baby. That's the joke. (laughs) Gotta love that late 90s comedy. What is that? I don't know. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. I just... I never got Mike Myers. I like Shrek, though, but I never got Mike uh, Myers. Wait a minute. So the one you like is Shrek? Yeah. Jesus Christ, really? Uh-huh. Shrek and Shrek You don't like Wayne... Like, I was expecting Wayne's World, but fucking... Oh, shit! That's... Okay, I always forget about Wayne's World. I'm sorry. I like Wayne's World. Because, like, Shrek is not a good movie. Shrek is very good. We're not getting is... into that. Oh, my Shrek God. Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is good. Shrek 2 is great. Shrek, the first Shrek is a hate-filled movie. It is so cynical and evil. <laughs> I fucking hate Shrek. I hate it, Diego. Shrek is about overthrowing the bourgeoisie. No, it's not. It's about how Jeffrey Katzenberg was angry they didn't make him the head of the Walt Disney Company. Well, yeah, obviously that That's all is it is. Subtext. It's it's not even subtext. <laughs> it's a, it's subtext on megaphones. All right, here's something weird. So the villain of the movie looks like Michael Eisner, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the face they modeled Lord Farquaad on. But the joke is that Lord Farquaad is very short. But in real life Jeffrey Katzenberg was the short one. What is going on there? <laughs> I don't know. Probably very That's insecure. some real insecurity there. Yeah. Also, the joke in Austin Powers and Goldmember is that Goldmember eats his skin. I just remember Nathan Lane and Beyonce. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's Beyonce all starts her movie. Beyonce starts her movie career. Yeah. Why doesn't Beyonce do more movies? I don't know. She was originally teed up to do uh, Star is Born when Clint Eastwood was going to direct it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit, Clint Eastwood was going to direct that shit? Yeah, he was going to direct uh, the the most recent one at one point, and then, like, uh-huh. he got Bradley Cooper involved, and then Bradley Cooper was actually like, you know, I kind of want to direct. Let me try this. And then mm. they made that movie, that's, and it, I think it's very weird. good, and it makes me cry a lot. Well, that's like, this is actually relevant, but Bradley Cooper uh, brought American Sniper to Steven Spielberg to do. I remember hearing that. Spielberg, like, developed it for, like, a couple years and then, like, decided he couldn't do it. And then, um, what's his name, who you just said? Yeah, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood took over. Yeah, American Sniper, that's a movie. Oh, if Spielberg did it, it could have been really special, I think. You know what, I kind of, I was, for a while I was, like, I was glad he didn't do it, but then I, I, like, not to jump ahead, but I rewatched Munich recently. Mm Mm-hmm. If he had brought what he brought to Munich to American Sniper, it could have been good. All I know about when he was developing it was that it was going to be more of like more focused on on uh, opposing sides. So there would have been like a sniper on the opposing side who mm. they never meet, obviously, because of their you know they just that just doesn't happen. But you would get mm. an understanding of where both men come from and like how they got there would have been kind of like a Michael Mann thing about duality. And, like, how they're just, like, cogs in a machine. Spielberg does a lot of both sides in his movies. Which is maybe not always for the best. But not in, always in that for the instance, best. I think it, it could have made for quite a good movie. Well, frankly, not to jump ahead, this will be probably a very controversial take, but I do think it works in Munich. Uh, and not to also jump ahead, but I don't think it's as controversial as you think. And that's Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fuck this movie. I'm sorry. I didn't hate Happy Gilmore, but it wasn't super interesting. And I feel like we're going to run into this problem a lot, where uh, these movies just won't be very interest- interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of non-interesting ones. They're going to be genuinely great films, and then there's going to be ones that shouldn't be interesting, but will get something out of it, whether or not they intended to, and whether or not they're like 
funny. There's going to be all these weird attempts of Sandler to, like, try something different that, like, unfortunately don't work, which, like, makes him gun-shy about, like, taking chances. But, uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Well, this movie ends with uh, Chubbs and Abraham Lincoln and an alligator waving down from heaven at uh, Happy and his family, so... Do you think, I gotta ask you this though, do you think that shot at the end of Lincoln, of Lincoln, <laughs> Chubbs, and the alligator waving from heaven was an homage to this? Uh, yes, yes I do, actually. I believe Spielberg I is actually a huge Adam Sandler fan, which is why, once again, <laughs> every episode I'll reiterate, Adam Sandler and Steven Spielberg should work together on a film. They should. Make it happen, world. The two titans will meet, meet very briefly during this retrospective. How briefly are we talking? Like like uh, one phone call. <laughs> no. But it is relevant. You'll see. It actually, I think I think you'll actually be surprised. All right. All right. Adam Sandler is going to play Abraham Lincoln? No, he's going from the links. Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. To the links. Hey, where are you going with those clubs, punk? I'm your caddy. He's going to be on the tour. That's That's super. He's got the swing. He's got the drive. He shoots, he scores! He's got the balls. Matt, that was Happy Gilmore. Any final Not thoughts? really. But... Oh, no, it wasn't, but we mentioned the Bob Barker bit, and that one still gets me, so. Yeah, no, that's, it's funny to watch an old man beat up a young man. That's, Price that's is wrong, time. bitch. That's uh-huh. just time-tested comedy. Also adding bitch to the end of something. I guess we're still kind of okay with it because it made us laugh. I, I, I guess. Um, I, I got to admit that that line doesn't really work for me. Mm. We're the guardians of the galaxy, bitch. Well, see, that one works because he's supposed to be like an immature idiot. I don't know if it does. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it works because I, 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 that line's not supposed to be like – I mean, it's kind of supposed to be badass, but it's it's different enough because of that character's like – you know, stunted. Hmm. But holy shit! What? Adam Sandler should have played Star Lord. No. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm not joking. Holy shit, that would have been amazing. Oh, here, talk about controversial opinions. I think Chris Pratt's like really good as Star Lord. He is. He is. It's unfortunate that he's a very odd person. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's one of those guys. Like he does that thing that like really bugs me, where he's like he like finds religion later. You know. Hmm. And then it turns out like they're that. just, like, very conservative. Yeah, but it's, like, it's one of those things where, like, he lived, like, a very not moral life, let's just say. And not that I would judge, but then he suddenly becomes, like, you know, he joins a very judgmental church. And that's what bugs me. I don't, you know, it's the hypocrisy of the thing. Uh, Adam Sandler is Star-Lord in the 90s, I could see. Do you think it would be weird, it would be weird if he, like, shows up on the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 set and, like, won't do some of the jokes because he doesn't like them anymore? <laughs> You think he's at that point yet? I hope not. Because, I mean, that movie had such a fucking uphill battle already that yeah. it's like, that's probably going to happen just because it'd make it more difficult. Like, what should have been a home run is, like, the most complicated film they've ever made now. Yeah. Which is good for them. They deserve some fucking complications, but I'm not going to get into that. Mm-hmm. I still, I have faith. I have faith in James Gunn. Well, I mean, they wanted him to fucking work on, like, everything for a while. It was like him and mm-hmm. Whedon. They wanted to do everything, and then they broke Joss Whedon's brain, and then they fired James Gunn. So. I wish they had just done something somewhere where they brought, like, they picked, like, five directors. And this is going back in time because you can't do it now, but they just gone, like, gone back, picked five directors, like, put them in a room, and they all map out the series, you know? Just so all of them know what the others are doing. Like, I feel like that maybe would have worked better. But hey, you think uh, once James Gunn does Guardians 3, he'll be done with the Walt Disney Company? Maybe. I mean, he basically got carte blanche. Like, do you remember the headlines when, like, he got fired? Everyone thought, like, oh, cancel culture strikes again. And then the immediate report after that was, like, oh, yeah, every other studio is, like, on a bounty yeah. hunt for him. <laughs> so Yeah, everyone, like, he was literally... <laughs> Every project that was in the works at the time he was rumored for. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you I had to put money on the one he wasn't gonna do. <laughs> like there's no fucking way he's doing Suicide Squad 2. Which I mean, what the fuck is that movie gonna be? Every cast member they keep adding is just so weird. Yeah. I mean, they're all like white guys, so they're not like, you know. 
mm-hmm. most creative choices. But even then, it's like, oh, cool, I get to see a bunch of white guys just, like, die horribly. Because you just know he's going to do that. You never know what he's going to do. Yeah. I do have, I honestly have faith in James Gunn. There was, like, that window where people were like, James Gunn, I just makes funny references and there's nothing to the movies. And then he did Guardians too, which some people pretended not to like. <laughs> it's, it's still fucking crazy to me that people are like, oh, yeah, you know, like the general consensus is that it's middle tier Marvel. And I'm just well, that's like, from the fan. That's from the fan boys. But like there were respectable there were respectable critics who were like, I remember a lot of people were dunking on the one line in the movie where he goes, uh, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. It's so weird to me that people which took, is like, like problem with that line yeah i was like in tears in the theater and then they're like oh that line's silly it's like you what movies do you watch yeah, i don't know i don't know what people uh i don't know what's going on anymore yeah i don't i don't get movies i don't know i mean honestly it, we're, this this retrospective might be kind of a funeral fucking march because like a big thing i'm gonna have trouble wrestling with is once we get to like later tier spielberg and we, I will start talking about all the projects he, like, couldn't get done. And to me, it's, like, crazy to be, like, how come Spielberg can't get these movies made? He's Steven fucking Spielberg. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't let him do Lincoln for ten years just because Amistad didn't do very well. Like, that was the reason. <laughs> do you think part of the reason he did Ready Player One was just to be like, look, I could still deliver a hit fucking i'll film the live action stuff you computer men do your everything else i think part of it but from what i understand he was more hands-on with the computer stuff than that was maybe like talked about i don't know i I believe that too but because he did tint because he did fucking tintin which was all computer yeah and i'm very excited and he seemed he seemed to really like doing tintin and again, I think that's why he's done, like, Indiana Jones 5, Tintin, and Ready Player One, I think, are all attempts to be like, I'm back. And then it just doesn't really work that way. Yeah. I, I think the big problem around Spiel, like Spielberg discussions is that people still have this, like, idea in their head about Spielberg. Like, oh, yeah, Amblin, like, the, that shot in E.T., like, the, the, the American fantasy stuff, and... He's always done more than just that. Yeah. It's just that stuff is the most popular, you know, and that he's not delivering those, like, back-to-back anymore. It took a long time for anyone to take his work seriously. And then, to me, it was that thing of, like, he started making serious movies but then also wanted to do blockbusters, and no one really got that, like, hey, his blockbusters are also saying something, too. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, it's crazy to me that Minority Report kind of flew under the radar. But we'll talk again. We'll talk about some of that shit as we get into it. Yeah. But it's just crazy to me that he did like he did like five movies with Disney, and like Disney couldn't get like a project for him. That was like like the BFG was the one, and then they released it in like fucking July. July with little to no fanfare, it made like five million dollars opening weekend. It's a huge bomb, like one of the biggest of his career, if not the biggest of his career, which is fucking the ultimate bummer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just crazy to me that, like, that's what happened. Like, you know, you would think him teaming up with Disney would, like, at least result in, like, one good project. Like, big mm-hmm. one, I mean, because, like, he made a bunch of little shit. But it, it nothing. There was fucking nothing. Which is actually why, I don't know if you remember, there was a report, like, a year or two ago at this point, so it's probably not even going to happen. He's so focused on West Side Story. But he was, like, signed up to do some, like, DC comic, like, a, about World War Two. Air yeah, well, fighters. he was going to do, uh, what, are they, what are they called, like, the Blackbirds or something? Yeah, Blackbird, Blackhawks. He's been like trying, Blackhawks, he's been trying to make that since the 80s. He was going to do it with Dan Aykroyd in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, even that one, which should, given the climate of, like, superhero stuff and, like, the new DC Black label that's doing the Joker, it's like, it's primed and ready to go. And even that one's still not, like, a home run, like... Let's go shoot it to fucking tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Well, he's about to drop West Side Story, which that could be, like, a big... That could determine, like, the next decade of his career. Yeah, but people smoke in it, so we have to censor that first. Well, they're probably... Yeah, you know what? They won't have the smoking in it. That's so fucking weird. Which whatever. Holy shit, that's being released by Disney? Yep. Oh, I thought, I thought he broke off from Disney and went to Warner Brothers. 
No, I, I think that's a. I'm gonna check right now. I think that is a was a Fox production. Yeah, it's 20th Century Fox, and now it's a Disney owns Fox. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I'm sure that won't fucking backfire. Well, it's a remake, so they have to support it financially. I guess, but I guess they just they're gonna be happy that now they kind of have the rights to the music for West Side Story. That'll be in Wreck It Ralph three. Yeah, you never fucking know. Mm-hmm. Um, but holy shit. Hey, Tony Kushner did the screenplay. That's nuts. He should do. He should only work with Tony Kushner. I agree. Damn you people! This is golf. I'm Bob Barker. Looks like you and I are going to be playing together today. This guy sucks. All right, let's go. Universal Pictures presents Adam Sandler. The price is wrong, Bob. As golf's missing link, Happy Gilmore. Matt, where can the people find you? <laughs> On the run from the LAPD. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter because Matt's not going to say anything. Are you going to say something? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Matt's stuff is down below. This episode's a disaster. It is so fucking hot in this room. <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't, I can't even breathe. I have to turn off the air conditioning while we're recording, and it's killing it's me just slowly. A, it's just a preview for the climate apocalypse. <laughs> In the future, this will be a cold day. You, you can find me on Twitter at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter as well. Uh, links down below, along with links to SoundCloud, YouTube, Patreon, iTunes, Spotify. Did I say SoundCloud already? If I didn't, also there. I think what you could say about this episode is that we got a little slap happy we've been professionally unprofessional